0: Okay. Well, oh, well, thank you. I just, I just put this jumper on uh, before, well, a short time before it came out at the beginning of the day, and uh, it, it didn't register. But it, you'll you realise how relevant this is to what I'm going to talking about. And because uh, today I'm talking about uh, forgiveness. I'm to, well. I'm going to finish up on forgiveness, but I'm going to be talking about a whole lot more than that, Um, and it's an interesting topic, and some aspects of it are not going to be quite that easy, because the truth is, when you need to forgive, it's not easy, is it? (laughs) I mean, like, duh, it's kind of fairly simple, when you need to forgive somebody, it's, difficult um, because they've hurt you and, and pain is a difficult subject to talk about uh, uh, so uh, I'm going to talk about forgiveness but I'm not going to quite start there I'm going to start in a slightly strange place did somebody take that dictaphone away? Oh, excuse, is it running? Right. I'm going to start in a strange place I'm going to start here okay Listening, Dave? Yeah, you well, listen to me. Because I've done a PowerPoint thing and this PowerPoint is pray for Dave. Stretch out your hands and pray for Dave. Because the the way this works is entirely dependent on Dave picking up my global cues. I'm, I'm running through this in a slick way to match what I'm saying. So <laughs> Let's go. No pressure Dave. No no pressure. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping you just going uh, Dave I mean Dave is gonna have to forgive me a lot by the end. Because I'm just gonna assume that Dave I just following like intuitively, reading my mind. Um, anyway, that's where we started. It's a nice place to start, isn't it? You can all say ah. Oh. I also I got to... Okay. a little prompt as well same thing it's well, slightly it's <laughs> shocking it's a male baby <laughs> and she doesn't look very happy but it's the only one <laughs> I going to in the nursery next door of so I had one I wanted to bring but I forgot it so I stole one from the nursery I will put it back in the nursery if you listen and uh, anyway you're going to too <laughs> uh, so uh, the thing is this is how we pop out, isn't it? Generally, by yeah. and large. And if you've got a parent who wants your baby to be a model, or something, you finish it with photos like this, um, and so on. And uh, but this is how we pop out. And I want to suggest that from the moment of conception to the moment we are, we are who God says we are. You would accept a lot, don't you? Yeah. Right. This is what we were made for. This is what we are. Firstly. Joy. Alright, <laughs> uh, okay. What do babies do? What do we all want babies to do? We all want them to laugh, and what do they do a lot of? Laugh! And if you look at the statistics, you will see that babies laugh something in the region of hundreds of times a day, by the time we get to adulthood, that's reduced to, on average, maybe six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a statistical truth. Mm. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, we were made for joy. We were made for rest. The babies do a, do, a, and do a lot of sleeping. We were, they were made for trusting their parents. What do babies do? They do a lot of reading, don't they? And they have to do a lot of relying on things. They were made for learning things. They are learning machines. You only have to say one bad word, and you know you're going to hear it. They're like sponges, don't they? They suck up stuff. Babies are learning machines, and they learn through playing. And this learning in the, um, and the, uh, well, there's something else that they do a lot of, and that's eating. And they do other things, but I haven't, for the sake of propriety, because it's an Yes. Wrong end. Eh? Yes, the, yes. Something happens after eating at that end. <laughs> and all this, all this learning and growing and relating and engaging with the world is to enable us to do this, to engage with others. Because what we are is God's transformative agents in this world. That's who we are. But things happen to us. Life happens. And through our whole lives and it starts at birth maybe even before birth we're bombarded with messages some of them most of them are positive but there are some negative messages that we get life uh, kind of just happens uh, let me just give you one example my mum took me into hospital at the age of 3 because she loved me because I was so ill with chronic tonsillitis. I had to have my tonsils out, but it was 1958. Now you know how old I am. And in 1958, parents were not allowed to stay with their children. So what happened is I was taken and taken away, she gave me away, to hospital for a week. And I was in hospital for a week. Now I just want you to think, what message did that? You know, a three-year-old is not in a position to rationalise what's going on. I love you, aren't you? It's because I love you. But I'm not, a three-year-old isn't in a position to rationalise. What, what arrow landed in my heart at the age of three? I'm telling you what arrow landed in my heart at the age of three. The arrow landed in, that landed in my heart is I'm not wanted. I'm not lovable. I'm not loved because the very person who should want me, who should love me, gave me away. And that's the arrow that landed in my heart three. So these negative messages, that come, and, and, and I just want you to register, that was because my mum loved me. But the message I received was, she doesn't love me, she doesn't want me, she doesn't value me love gave me those messages, didn't it? Well, when the love gave me those messages, I received the message. I know I did. And these negative heart messages cause pain. And when, you, when you're in pain, I'm having this pain of being rejected by my mum. Thrown away by my mom, Given away by my mum. That pain Causes fear. I'm a rejectable person now. I'm a not lovable person now. I'm a not wanted person now. I'll be going to situations where I'm not going to be wanted. And that fear is there. I've done it without the doll suit. <laughs> I it's plan- no, I know I plan to use the door, but I've, I've got past it now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, never anyway. mind. I've got a little pain and a fear cross there. You could stick. Oh yeah, you forgot that one there. Engaging the. You could stick pain and fear. No, no, you can, you can. Back, back to that one. Oh, it'll, it'll have to go through all the individual things on it now. Oh no, no, there you go. You could stick that pain and fear across so for every single one of us it, it has an effect on every one of those right let's just go back to the next slide now So look at some of these negative messages these negative arrows which hit us i mean we come out in this incredible place don't we who well, we are and yet these negative messages land on us and i'm just going to list some of the negative messages that when we're counseling people we come across all the time, and to some degree, we come across these messages virtually all the time. Messages that people have received uh, as, and, and started to believe in their hearts as a result of this prayer Messages: "I'm not wanted." I've just given you one. I've just given you one example from my life of how that happened in my life. That message: "I'm worthless." I'm not important or I'm not important enough. Parents will leave. Um, my mum left my dad two or three occasions, and she left me with my dad. I'm not worthy enough for her to take me with her. That's the message. That's the arrow. Bang! hit me in my heart. I'm not important enough. My thoughts or feelings don't matter enough. Parents who don't listen enough to their children. I'll be the best one in the world sometimes. Parents have, a, parents have a, really, it's a really tough bringing up kids. Does anybody ever agree with that? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of tough bringing up kids, isn't it? You know, you're in the middle of doing something, Oh, don't talk to me now! Ooh. A message in there. That's a message. You know, I'm mean, important enough for me to drop around i it and talk to you right now. What I'm doing is more important than you. Okay, you got it. You know, you know, this is just life. It's just life. That's all it is. Just life. I'm bad. You stupid. You know, why did you do that? What was your intention? Oh, my bad. Things are my fault. Same sort of comments. Comments all the time. You all, why do you always do <laughs> <coughs> Right messages 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 arrows bang 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 hitting us in our hearts as we grow up and it's not just in childhood. I don't belong. Uh, kids go to school and they're suddenly shunned by the whole group. Oh no, idiot! know, we don't talk to them anymore. Turn about you know. Boom message. The belief I don't belong, I'm a mistake. Accidental pregnancies. How I many I've heard countless stories. You know, Mum says I'm the little notion to be there. You go believing I'm actually a mistake. Anyway. Let's talk about who we really are. Right, we reflect. The truth is this is who we are, isn't it? We reflect the likeness of God. He's made us inherently joyful, happy. He's made us, he's given us a heart to trust. He's he's given us his peace, he's given us his righteousness, he's made us to love God. This is who we are. He's made us to actually love ourselves. He's made us to love others. That's who we are and yet the truth is what does it sometimes look like and feel like how do we become? We actually feel this yes, who we become we actually re- reflect the likeness of God. do you always feel that way? Do you always feel yes I am now <laughs> reflecting the likeness of God. Sometimes we feel rather different, and instead of being happy, we often feel unhappy. Instead of trusting, we often feel suspicious. Instead of loving God, we find ourselves struggling to love anything, sometimes. Instead of loving ourselves, how many of us have a sense of (laughs) You you idiot, you fool, self-loathing, why am I always doing this? There's something wrong with me. Uh, and it goes on and loving others. Oh my gosh, you know, and, uh, fill in the blanks. <laughs> <laughs> Next slide, then. Now, you've, you've, you're, you're sitting there thinking, why is that even so negative? Because this is life, this is just what happens to us. These beliefs get built into us so deeply that they become a part of who we, notice I put it in inverted commas, just so, and, and, and I'm sure a number of you will come to me at the end and say, Way! you know, they become a part of who we are, inverted commas. They form such a part of our deep foundational emotional identity. They, we feel like that they're, they're us. This is us. You know, the person who has, kind of hides away, I can't really put myself out there. I can't really talk. You know, I have diarrhea 20 times before I speak because I, I'm so worried that I'll be rejected or people won't listen to what I have to say. We become imprisoned by these negative emotional beliefs. And you say, well, Okay. But the truth is, we know, don't we? We're a grace church. We believe in the truth of God. We believe that God has made us something not what I'm saying. There is a deeper truth. And that truth is Does anybody recognize the Lion King in that? (laughs) You are more than you have become. (laughs) It's a great line, isn't it? The Lion King. You are more than you have become, right? So just to recap on that, so the next slide, Dave, just does a recap on that. Yeah, Yeah. right. (laughs) You know, I can give you scriptures to back up every single thing that's on that left-hand side, who we are, reflecting the likeness of God. We're made happy, you know, full of his righteousness. He's given us joy. Jesus is inside (laughs) of us. Jesus even endured the cross for the joy that was his. And so, I can give you scriptures to back up this is who we are, but the common experience is that we're not fully and that's our our experience, isn't it? We're not fully on that side. So, that's one of the difficulties, isn't it? When you you talk about grace and, and people talk about this is who we are, and yet there's something inside us and yes, but actually, my experience is a little bit different. There's always, there's kind of a but in our hearts, right? And the reason that but is often there is the Bible tells us we live from our hearts, out of, our, out of the heart a man speaks and believes, so right? So we tend to live and operate from our hearts. And often those things that have come and wounded us and produce these lies inside of us i have just become so deeply embedded that it feels really like it's such an incredibly deep part of us and we struggle to actually get into touch with what we know in our heads right? that we've been given by revelation we know what God says about us it's this side but we, our common experience is often a lot of that side. We live from our hearts and especially when the chips are down. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, if you open a cellar door too fast and there's lots of rats in the cellar, you know, you're going to see them before they have time to escape and you're sanitized and looking all nice. You know, when the chips are down, sometimes we often find out in our reactions, you know, I've shouted at my wife, I've shouted at my child. I've done something which is stupid. How can I do that? The very things that Paul says that I don't want to do, I do. What's going on? The question is how do we get back? In our experience, how do we get back to living on that left hand side? To actually living more on that. I mean, the truth is, I mean, let's get it straight. We're not all completely this messy bag of dysfunctional... Because there's a lot of good stuff going on, isn't there? I mean, it's great. I mean, our parents do love us. And, And we do get positive feedback. And we do get things reinforced. And so on. And that's one of the ways we get back. Because we get lots of positive messages as well. So, next one, Dave. How do we get back? <clears throat> one, unconditional love. Gets us back on track. The love of our parents. The love of our friends. The love of our partners. I, I get lots of rapid intakes of breath. <gasps> how can we say that? Sometimes when I say, Sue, has saved me. You can have a rapid intake of breath if you want. You're a heretic! Isn't it Jesus who does that? Yeah, but Jesus is in her, and Jesus's love through her has allowed her to love me unconditionally. I'm experiencing Jesus's love through her. That's what I mean. All right, just just so, just so you don't run and, and hit me over the head of the Bible. <laughs> Uh, I was a real mess at university. I can probably tell you that. Yes, you uh, certainly <laughs> Running after the wrong things. And I just know that Sue has saved me because she has loved me so unconditionally and put so much of so my. I am lovable she changed my belief patterns the love of our children the unconditional love you get back from your children doesn't it just fill your hearts doesn't it it does Said, it's okay. She said yes if you buy me a pony. <laughs> <laughs> so much for unconditional love. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the unconditional love and need and sort of awe that we get from our kids that helps heal us and it, and it helps persuade us that those things, those lies we've had stuck on to us, are not actually true. <laughs> I mean, some of you think, ah, he's, he's going, he's going weird now. <laughs> he's going off the tangent. He's talking about all of the pets. But everybody who has a dog will tell you, my dog's love for me feeds my soul. Will does anybody want to put their hands up to that? Three people. Well, anyway, four, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're the, the 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 thing is, it has, has Has God made this love or not? You know, all of this love that comes to us from all these different places, are it from Him or not? Yes, of course it is. And of course, it comes from Him. The love of God is what saves us. His love for us. Right? Point number two. Revelation, belief. Confession. I'm getting all theological with you now. Right? How do we get back? How do we get back in our experience? Of course, we believe. Somehow, we get captured by the truth of a God who created us. We suddenly realize, whoa! There's an intelligent design behind me. I have a purpose. He gives us meaning. He loves us so much that he will do whatever it takes to win us back. He forgives us. That's what saves us, isn't it? The love and the forgiveness of God. Point number three. There right. Forgiveness. So I got there in the end. I got there in the end. Why is forgiveness necessary? Well, we're good evangelicals, and so we have a, a certain narrative which we understand, and I absolutely, totally agree with that. Right? We're, we're basically a mess. You know, we're fundamentally a mess, and God has said. I'm going to redeem this mess I'm going to forgive them they need so much forgiveness I'm actually going to send myself as a person, a baby and I'm actually going to even die for them and, and I'm going to take them into myself so that they die with me and I'm going to start in their souls again spiritually The grace message tells us the truth of grace is that we are in Jesus. He is in us. Right? The truth is different from our experience. We are in Jesus, He's made us in Him. But why do we need to forgive? Right? And it's necessary because we often get. we get stuck how many of you have had this experience you know, I would like to do such and such but I can't I would like to be such a thing but I can't I would like to say such a thing but I can't we have so many can'ts on us, don't we? Or don't want to and don't care whatever. You know, in 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 kind of living our Christian lives we we make do often, don't we, with making do. We make do with making do. And we live with our little dysfunctionalities, with our little quirks, with our little this and that and the other. It's just the sort of person I am. And don't ask me to do that because that's not me. And we we, we wrap it up in, in lots of different ways. And more often than not, we're just covering up the reality of our experience that we are not experiencing the fullness of who we know we are. And sometimes we just can't get past that thing. We can't do it. We get stuck. And the reason we get stuck is that these negative messages, this pain, these fears are so buried deep in our hearts and have been reinforced in so many different ways. Right? little child uh, grows up believing I'm going to be rejected. So what does he do at school? He goes to school and then he's in front of everybody's face. Love me, love me, love me everybody's thinking, woo! No! Can't handle with that being so much in my face. So guess what do they do? Say it. They're rejecting. If you come to self-fulfilling prophecy, it gets reinforced in so many millions of people. And lots of these things get reinforced in our lives, don't they? And in so many different ways. And the question is, the truth is, we we are loved unconditionally, and you will find, you know, Kenneth Copeland, and in so many different ways, that we we are told we just need to say enough the truth. And that, you know, I'm I'm not here to say that's not true, but I know I know I know many of you will have that experience in your life that I have tried saying it a trillion times, and it still doesn't seem to me. I mean, I don't know whether that's true for you or not. You may choose to say that's not true. You see, the forgiveness actually is the love of God. I mean, the Bible tells us, you know this, don't you? It says the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. What? What does that mean? The Lamb of God was slain before the well when before Jesus was a person before the world existed. How could the Lamb of God be slain? How could Jesus be killed? When there was no Lamb of God, how does that work? Well, it works because God isn't bound by our time scale, is He? God is out of our time scale, and there's no doubt whatsoever that. Jesus being slain in the heart of God is just an eternal truth and that is part of who God is. God is forgiveness. He is love. And his forgiveness could come along to David and say I know you are going to make a total mess of the first few years of your life but guess what I'm still choosing to make you in spite of all that I'm still choosing to make you in spite of all the mess why? what word would you use to describe that? love? come on you can use the F word (laughs) forgiveness isn't it? I forgive you even before you were (laughs) made. It's who God is. Forgiveness is the love of God. It's unconditional. What allows God to make us? Knowing all of this stuff. He knows it all. Before the world even existed. He knows. And He still chose to make us. He is love. He is forgiveness. And forgiveness is the unconditional part of His love, isn't it? I don't care what... Still dying for you. It doesn't matter what. Still dying for you. That his forgiveness is what makes his love unconditional. And it might actually it might not look quite like you expected. I just want to tell you just a little story. I, I listened to this on Radio 4 just a couple of days ago. And it was a story about two guys who are now uh, peace. Envoy. I think they're with the United Nations, but anyway, they are advisors to uh, the White House as well. One is a Jewish guy, and one is a Palestinian. And they both had children who died. The Palestinian had a son who died. Uh, no, no, the Jewish guy was a, had a son who died in a Palestinian bombing in Jerusalem. This is, this is true, it was on the radio. And it was a story that was being narrated about, and it's a little bio story. And the Palestinian had a son who was killed by a Jewish rubber bullet. <sighs> I'm going to do this here. I'm just, I'm just saying, forgiveness doesn't necessarily always look like you think it might look these guys went to a peace meeting uh i think it was in america and the jewish fellow is narrating and he says i was sitting there drinking juice and he says, "And this palestinian guy side of me he was just chain smoking and drinking really strong coffee as palestinians do and, and he said, as, as 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 they were talking about the peace process, he says, "I don't know what happened." He said, "He said I just found I looked down and there was a cigarette in my hand." He said, "I haven't smoked for years." And he said, "I looked at this cigarette and I didn't know how he got there." Although he kind of did know how he got there. What he'd done is just something in his heart had just caused him to reach out and take a fag out of the packet that this Palestinian people sat next to him. And he just started smoking it. I think it must have been asking for a light, but he, but he just obliterated that from his mind. And he said, it tasted disgusting. <laughs> a cigarette tasted disgusting. And okay. um, he, he said, I, I realised what I'd done, that I'd taken this cigarette just without asking him. Just taking it out of his pocket. And he lit it for me. And then he said, I just turned around. And I said, I just started talking. Just started talking about his loss. And he said, the Palestinian guy just turned around in his seat. And neither of them were listening to who he was talking at. And the Jewish guy was just pouring his heart out about his son who died. And he said, the Palestinian chap just listened. Just listen That sounds very simple, doesn't it? But what happened after that? Those two big be- fellows became absolutely indissoluble friends. And they are now joining the Peace Enterprise in the Middle East. And I just want to say, what happened there? What happened there? One man just suddenly realized I can't handle it. This person next to me killed my son. Or what he stands for, stood stood for, killed my son. And he couldn't handle the pain, and he just had to, he didn't know what he did. But as they shared together, they suddenly found that without even using hardly words, they were saying to each other, we've had enough. We've had enough pain. We're just in this together, we've suffered together. And I I don't want to hurt you anymore. That's what they said. That's what they're saying in that cigarette is I don't want to hurt you anymore. We've suffered enough. And as they looked at each other and shared that moment, they just they just became bonded together. And that was an act of mutual forgiveness, when they both recognize we're just human people, we're human beings and life is painful. And it's really hard. And we've all suffered enough. Can we put this behind us and stop hurting each other? Can we do that? And that act of of wordlessly almost saying that to each other, I'm telling you that that's forgiveness. I don't want you to suffer anymore. I don't want you to pay the price anymore for what you did. I don't want to pay the price anymore for what I did. It's forgiveness, isn't it? I don't want you to pay the price, it's forgiveness. And uh, so whether you say forgiveness is love, or, or forgiveness is a part of love, at the very least it's inseparable from it, is it not? Uh, let me just take you on a scripture trail So the next time I And I'm going to just whiz through a scripture trail with you. Does anybody know how many thousands of years ago Ezekiel was prophesying? No. Anybody dead not Two thousand years. Yeah, two and a half thousand years. It's probably something like that. And Do uh, you know that song that we all wowed over there, jumping in the river. You know, you know where that comes from, don't you? So it's in a prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 47. It's a rather wonderful prophecy, and you probably all know it. And it's the prophecy where the water of God is flowing from the altar under the door of the temple, and then he goes along, and after a certain while, the, the angel says to Ezekiel, can you see it? And he says, yes, it's will be. And then he goes on a little bit, another, another while, another half a league or whatever it is, and he says, oh now it's needy, and then, and, then, and then he goes on a bit more, and then it's waist deep, and then a bit more, and then it's so deep you can't cross it. Right? All you can do is get carried away by it. That's uh, from Ezekiel 47. And there's no doubt whatsoever that that is a story of the love of God reaching out into the world. It's interesting if you look in, in the book of Genesis we have rivers, don't we? rivers and trees of life okay in, in the garden and there in Ezekiel 47 the prophet Ezekiel is saying this is what God is doing the river getting deeper and deeper and deeper right? this is what God is doing this is what God is doing in the world through guess who you and he says the results of this river are what trees are growing up at the side of it and this river produces transformation. right? But everywhere the river goes, things will live. The salt water will become fresh. The brackish water, fresh. Things will live, fish will grow. In other words, where the love of God goes, life. Right? And the trees that grow at the side of the river, the fruit is for feeding the nation, and the leaves for healing. Well, let me tell you, The most healing I believe that this world needs is the healing of hearts. The hearts which have been wounded. Anyway. The river brings transformation. And you are that river. You are a part of that river. This is what's going on in you. And the reason I can say that is you may recall the story in John chapter 7, where it says that the last day of the feast, Jesus went to Jerusalem and he stood outside the temple. This was the Feast of Tabernacles. And on the day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the priests are enacting a horrible, a prophecy. Do you know what that prophecy is? This is Ezekiel 47. The priests pour out water on the altar and they have a a channel carved out in the the floor so the water flows under the door of the temple. And on the last day of the feast they are doing this thing and Jesus comes up and says, if anybody desires to drink, let him come to me. Jesus, isn't this incredible? Jesus is talking about Ezekiel chapter seven. He's talking about the love of God flowing into the world of bringing transformation. He's talking about this very same thing of the rivers, the garden, the trees of life. He's, he's relating it all to this human story. What God is doing in the world of bringing transformation. And then he says this incredible thing. Whoever believes in me out of his heart will flow these rivers of living water jesus says that he says this is you are ezekiel 47 you are these rivers of life you are these trees of life you are the people who bring transformation to the world with your love with what your forgiveness And in Matthew 6, verse 12, when the disciples say to Jesus, please will you teach us how to pray? What does Jesus say on the subject of forgiveness? Forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. Not because, in the same way, look at the verbs in the Greek, you will find it means in the same way. Forgive us as we forgive that. It's all going on at the same time. Forgiveness in, forgiveness out. Love in, love out. It's a flow, it's a river. Rivers of living water. And I am telling every single one of you who is sitting in this room, you have these rivers of living water, these rivers of living forgiveness flowing through you. That's your heritage as a child of God. That is who you are. And the last scripture is interesting because we could think, okay, well how do we bring transformation? Well, we just go and forgetting everybody. That would be easy if we were 100% totally available, would it not? And yet we know, because the first half of my talk and your experience tells you and you know that you are not fully available. You're not. You might be pretty well, you know, 90%, 70%, 20%, 5%, 50%. We're all somewhere on that spectrum, aren't we? Different availabilities, we're different people. We've got these different makeups, we've got these different things which block us and so on and so on. So we come to this there is a forgiveness that needs to go from us in a slightly different direction, not just in a we need to forgive those people who have wounded us. Because those wounds and those negative messages are what make us dysfunctional. And if you think, "Oh, he's just been banging on about Sozo again," well, probably not, yeah, because when <laughs> <laughs> when we did the new creation thing, it was relating this whole Sozo idea to this new creation, who we actually are. Well, who we actually are gets so laid over with lies and dysfunctionalities that we often can act, struggle to access who we actually are. And. Um, Matthew 18 is a lovely story that Jesus tells of the unforgiving servant. You know this story, don't you? servant has a little debt, his master forgives him. No, no, the servant has a massive debt, his master forgives him. Yet the servant has a servant under him who has a little debt, and he doesn't forgive him. And then the master comes and says, You wicked servant! I forgave you a huge debt! And yet, you will not forgive this person his small debt. And he says, I'm telling you, you're going to be thrown in prison, and the key turned. And he says, you're not. And then Jesus said something, he said, I'm telling you, in the same way, if you don't forgive, you're going to be thrown in prison, in that same way, if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. And that is a very difficult scripture, isn't it? Is it not? Right, that's a difficult scripture, and the reason it's difficult, you know, is that me, if I don't forgive my brother from my heart, well, we talk, we're talking about hearts here, aren't we? Our wounded hearts, and and I said it was a difficult subject, but the point is this: I forgave my mum. to me to hospital at the age of three. And I forgave my mum for bringing into my life a situation which made me believe I was unlovable, unwanted, unworthy. All of those things which crippled me throughout my life. And I finished up forgiving her. And forgiveness is the key to our hearts as well. Forgiveness is the key, because Jesus says these things imprison us. And forgiveness is the key which unlocks the prison. Forgiveness is the key which says, I no longer hold this against you. It's not saying that what you did was right. In fact, it's saying what you did was actually wrong. Or at least I perceived it as a wrong I was wounded, and I need to forgive you, this. Because that forgiveness sets me free. And I guarantee you, the more you do that, the more you just simply forgive people who have wounded you and recognize those wounds and those lies which have covered you over, the more you do it, the more available you will become to do what? The more available you will become to forgive others, to be that flow, forgiveness in, forgiveness out. Love in, love out. Right? It's this flow to participate actually in this river. Anyway, that's basically it. Forgiveness is the love of God. You can put the next slide on there, last one. Forgiveness is actually what made you. Forgiveness is the love of God which created you. And forgiveness is what you were made for. Forgiving yourself, forgiving the people that have wounded you, forgiving the world out there. So that we can actually take this love of God and be that transformative agent, be that river of God which brings life, which feeds the nations, which brings healing. That's who we are. That's what we were made for. That's what we were created for. Just one last little thing. I kind of do up know why i talking about this one. And this is just a little I don't it's only 10 past 6. So I think I've done all right. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a very little man. We know that. Don't be a, very little man. a very little man. A very little man But he was absolutely hated to death by everybody. Was he not? He was hated to death by everybody. He couldn't get through the crowd. Who was going to let Zacchaeus? get behind me, Satan. Right? That's what people thought of Zacchaeus. And you just wonder, I, I, I find myself sometimes thinking, well, why was, why did Zacchaeus turn into a sort of person who would betray his fellow men by taking money off the taxes for the Romans and blah, 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 blah. What made Zacchaeus that sort of person? Well, he was dinky, wasn't he? Can you imagine what life at school was like for him? Can you imagine? Little squirt. It doesn't take a lot to think that Zacchaeus could easily have grown up thinking, you know, stuff you a lot, to hell with you a lot, I'll show you a lot. It doesn't take a lot to think that. What is it that would make Zacchaeus so crunched up that he would be willing to betray his fellow Jews? I suspected something along those lines, rejected by everybody, not even worthy to be a son of Israel, really. Call yourself a son of Abraham, you are worse than dirt under my feet. You can imagine people saying it to you. And what did Jesus do? He did something incredible walking along comes up to Zacchaeus says hey, Zacchaeus I'm coming to your house to eat that was it that was it how did you show in Jewish society someone that you wanted to honour them and show them that you value them and befriended them and wanted to engage with them and have a relationship. you had a meal with them. And everybody was there saying, you know, the son of David, the son of David, the son of David. And this son of David comes up to Zacchaeus who knew himself to be he knew himself to be worthless. He knew himself to be the lowest of the low and rejected and yet here comes somebody with all the authority to say it and say you are a person i honor and value the son of david is coming up to me saying i honor and value you what is that except forgiveness what is that except the love of god just flowing through Jesus to Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus instantly had a transformation did he not? I said, whoa I'm going to, I'm going to give back everything Many told, right?" and Zacchaeus had a salvation experience because of the forgiveness which flowed through Jesus to him he received that forgiveness for everything done. Yes, I don't know why I'm sharing it's a nice story that Zacchaeus is a fantastic story a story of hope for somebody who really hasn't had hope because he's loved and accepted. It's a bit like me being saved by Sue's love. Anyway, yeah, that's it. This is who you are, folks. You are forgiveness. Forgiveness dwells in you. Out of your innermost being, rivers of living water flow. I was going to do an activation, but I think I've run out of time now, so it's called verse six. This is who you are. And when we talk about Sozo ministry and dealing with these lies and all this dysfunctionality, all we're doing is getting rid of the rubbish that's covered over who you really are. Does that make sense? I've not offended anybody here, I hope, and I hope you don't feel I've like offended the gospel of grace because I think this is the gospel of grace. This is how love works. Perfect love casts out what? Fear. Fear. We're in fear because of our pain. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door. This is how love works. It is the gospel of grace. Amen.